Hey, Mason, I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Oh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. And remember, the Relay for Life is this Friday. If you would like to make any last-minute donations to the American Cancer Society, visit the MuggleCast website and click the link. Thanks. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because we're taking a trip back to episode 35, this is MuggleCast, episode 141, for April 14th. 2008 Guys, do you like treasure? I Yeah. I love treasure. Um I actually got some treasure mailed to my house today. Cool. Wow, cool. really? Well, how can you get all the stuff sent to you? Because I'm the host. Yeah, Matt, that's kind of an unfair standard, isn't it? Well, it's also... It our, is kind wait, of... Wait, 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 but Laura gets all the stuff mailed to the P.O. box, so... Yeah, but then oh, she yeah, has that's... to send it all to you because everything apparently is under your name. Um, sorry. Yeah, that is true. Sorry, guys. Sorry I'm that awesome. But anyway, um, HP Fan Trip sent me this big box because as some of you know, if you've been checking MuggleNet... Uh, HP Fan Trips in association with Olivines is doing the HP Quest, and um, people involved in the HP Quest are coming to MuggleNet today, um, looking for the next clue. And I have the clue in this treasure box. Can you hear it? Can you hear my treasure box? Clearly. Okay. Uh-huh. So, what, uh huh. So what are you doing to it, Andrew? I was um, <laughs> petting it. It was shaking. It's like I don't know. It's magic. Anyway, in it. We're going to try to figure out the riddle in this treasure box, and uh, we got a lot coming up on the show today. We have a big show, so let's get right into it. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannebelle. And I'm, I'm, I'm Matthew Britton. Big news week, buddy? Overall, not really. It's been pretty quiet. I don't know, man. I, I like the news this week. I was um, I always get worried that we're not going to have enough news to talk about for the show, but then we always have a few things. 
Um, first and foremost, Dan Radcliffe coming to Broadway with uh, Equus. We already knew this, but they're, uh, the dates are now confirmed. September 5th is when uh, previews start. And Micah, you told me you're going to be first in line? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can bet that I will be not the first person online to go and uh, get a ticket to this. No, but seriously, will you go? Uh, I, I don't mean, know. Right in the New York City area. I don't know. I might go if uh, we get a group together. Micah, there's goats. Oh, no, that's horses. Never mind. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, Andrew, you're the only one out of our group who's actually seen the play. Yeah. And would I see it again? Is that what you're going to ask? Well, yeah, I was going to until you cut me off. <laughs> um, well, okay, I'm going to be in California by that time, but yeah, I would see it again. It's a good play. It's a good play. And not just for the obvious reasons, but it's a, it's a good play. <laughs> what are the obvious what, what reasons? Are, what are those obvious reasons, Andrew? Well, I mean, Dan's naked. Who doesn't want to see Dan's naked? Dan being naked. I'm just kidding. Um, sure you are. Laura, will you go see it since you'll be in yeah. Baltimore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I'll definitely go see it. I mean, who wants to turn down a trip to New York City anyway? So use it as an excuse to go up there and hang out with some cool Potter people. Yeah, of course. Um, I- I'm just a little concerned still about this because I feel like the American fangirls are going to take it out of control. I feel like the audiences are going to be filled halfway up with with these Dan Radcliffe fangirls that are just going to yeah. scream at the sight of him naked. And I hate to bring up the whole naked thing again, but I just think it's going to be a problem. Well, Dan's even said it in a recent interview um, on the Half-Blood Prince that he said that uh, the uh, the English audience, the fan base, is a lot different than the American fan base yeah, because true. the Americans are more louder and more you know in your face. Right. Um, with Do you want to say how much mature? they're? Well, I don't want to say less mature because I mean they're really not. They just tend to be a little more. Um, I, I guess extreme. Okay. Is, is that a better? Yeah, yeah, fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's good. It's it's uh, that reminds me of that Billy Joe song that I go to extremes. Then, and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, I I agree with you, Andrew. I think that maybe. Um, well, does our country really have the same type of interest in theater as you know, in the, we'll say the UK interest? I think there's more interest in the U.S. I mean, Broadway's huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah. There's there's more interest in the U.S. I, I I think it depends on what type of play it is. Um, you know, Equus, but I I think it will catch. I think it will be very very popular, not just because of uh, Dan and and Richard Griffiths. Um, I think well, it's going to be... be on a bigger scale too. They're doing it on Broadway. Um, Andrew, when you saw it, was it on a smaller scale or was it also in a huge theater? I think it's going to be the same size theater. I I probably would have been a good thing to look into but um it was in the broadway's or sorry in the london's west end right which is the equivalent to new york city's broadway so it is it is uh pretty Um, much the equivalent it's not um if equus were coming sort of off broadway that sort of thing you know that would be really smaller yeah definitely definitely being on broadway would be um the other thing is this starts in september and it's running for 22 weeks until uh february so the the other question is, how will this affect Dan's H Half Blood Prince you know, promotions? You know, like because that runs right over the premiere, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, it does. The premieres in November. The the movie releases in November. Well, I have a feeling they'll probably take some sort of break around the holidays, anyhow. And yeah. I mean, it just it it wouldn't make sense if they were running shows right up to the premiere. I'm sure that part of his contract is that he's going to need time off around. What November, whatever it is, when the movie comes out, so that he'll have you know adequate time to promote it, go to the premiere, and 
meet all of his screaming fans. So uh, I guess he's going to get a double dose of that this fall. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure they discussed this when he de- um, when they described the co- uh, when they, you know negotiated contracts and stuff. I'm sure it's already too. figured mm-hmm. out sort yeah. of all the dates of every. Uh, you know, event that he's going to need to be at every day he's going to miss. I mean, didn't you say, I mean, they have, uh, they do have understudies and things. So I think the show itself might keep running and it just might be the sort of thing where for one or two performances overnight, one night, you know, Dan's in London or something, you know? Yeah. Promoting the film. Yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, uh, moving on to other news, Amazon is offering a chance for you to read Beetle the Bard. Um, they're giving away one lucky opportunity for someone. They'll pay for someone's trip out to London and have like a two night stay, uh, right there in London. And then you get a chance to read the book. Yeah. It's cool or what? Yeah. Everyone going to try entering? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I why not? To, uh, I had something to say. I wanted to tell the listeners that, uh, they'll have me to compete with. My, uh, 100 word, uh, submission is going to be submitted soon and uh the listeners out there will uh will be competing with me for this uh wonderful opportunity i am going to enter and everyone else i will see you in london so um basically you guys have a pretty good chance of winning yeah yep (laughs) (laughs) because my writing skills are not near as good as my speaking skills Right. Um, So the contest (laughs) is running from now until, uh, geez, when's it end, Eric? You're looking at the rules. April 22nd. Okay. Yes, the day before my birthday. Woo! My 20th birthday. I'm not going to be a teenager anymore. This is horrible. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, one final thing we're going to talk about today. A couple people might complain, but who cares? Um, Twilight author Stephanie Myers talked about Harry Potter recently in a new interview with MTV, and um, I-, I love her for this. I love her for this quote. She, um, the interviewer, a- interviewer asked her, "So, do you compare it to Harry Potter?" She says, "The interesting thing about the comparison is that I think you can compare my fans to her fans more easily than me to her. I do think that we both have people who are just really, really enthusiastic and will come miles to see you and be involved, and everyone." Everybody really cares about our characters, but the Harry Potter and Twilight stories are just so different. That is so true. I it really mean, is. It really is, yeah. The, the stories are different, yes. The fans are the same because they're the same exact people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm almost surprised she didn't. I, I would think she knows that. I mean, she must know that. But it's, it's really interesting. She owes, she does owe a lot of her fan base to the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Do you think do you think she owes it though or or what? Like how's that how's that work? Do you well, think there are I don't Twilight think she fans that owes, but I mean Harry Potter she, fans? she must she must know that a good portion of her audience um is you know from the Harry Potter fan base and are reading because of Harry Potter. Exactly. To begin with and looking well, yeah, for new I mean, fantasy novels after Harry Potter. So that's true. I think a lot of authors Twilight. these days would probably have to credit J.K.R. with just the amount of readers they have. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, just a great interview with a uh, great little interview with Stephanie. Thought I'd bring that up. I got excited because it's an opportunity for me to post my set report from the Twilight set onto mongonet.com. Yeah, I saw you plug that. That was, uh, that was pretty cool. I was cool. waiting for the opportunity, and boom, there it is. There it is. So, let's move into some announcements now before we get into Muggle Mail. Andrew, quick, there was what? just something that um, Spanish, uh, the Mexican uh, uh, girl who got to go see the oh, yeah. uh, set. Did you got, Did you want to mention that? Because that's news. That's Yeah, but I didn't know if there's anything worth discussing in there. 
Oh, not really. Well, she talked about the burrow and stuff that, you know, that I didn't know and that was going to be in the movie at all. But we don't have to mention that. First announcement we have today. Regrettably, um, we're going to call off the spring break tour idea because right now um, we have to save money for the summer and also we just can't get two good venues down and in a short enough amount of time and, you know, there's there's finals coming up and stuff like that. So it's just really it was really hard to schedule. We shouldn't have brought it up to people, but, um, you know, just so you guys know, we were trying and, you know, we'll we'll always keep working on stuff. But sorry. Yeah. We didn't really intend for it to be as difficult as it was. Mm, right. We tried all the bookstores and everything, and uh, there was a bit of a negotiation error there, but it wasn't our fault. Right. It's just it's just a slow time to actually get a gig anywhere, especially in our fan base at the moment. Right. So, guys, um, before we get to the other announcements, I want to talk about this HP Quest thing. Now, like I said, the uh, treasure treasure box came in just today. And um, I took some time opening it up, and it came with this little note, and I want you guys to play along with me, because we have to help people get the riddle for the next clue. So, came with this note, said, thanks so much for having Muggle and I participate in the HP Quest. Here is your clue to use on your podcast Thursday. The box contains a book. The book contains a clue. <laughs> to get in the box, you must read the Tribune and figure out what key will work. So there's this little Tribune newsletter, and it has this whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this little paragraph that you guys... Um, now, I, I already figured it out and opened it up, but I want you guys to see if you can figure out the riddle. It says, this is the hint about which key to use to open up the treasure chest. I got, I got like, seven keys, and I had to figure out which one to use. It said, all I can say is that the key that fits this lock features a perfect number, which is to say that the numbers of letters it takes to spell this number are exactly the same as the number itself. So if I got keys one through seven, which key would I use? Four. Four, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they made it easy for me because they were like, we know you're busy. So, um, okay, I opened it up. And in here is this box. And this is completely by coincidence. They don't know we have this little running thing with Lucky Charms because of Jamie's loves for Lucky Charms. Anyway, the box, the, the book is called Magical Charms 101, and I opened it up. It says here, I am sending you some lucky charms as well as another favorite cereal of mine. Always remember to think inside the box. Happy, happy, que- happy questing, uh, Wilson, which is one of the wizards involved with this quest. So I'm opening it up here. Yeah, I'll put a picture on the mugglecast.com. And in here is a little Cocoa Krispies box. Surrounded by a ton of Lucky Charms. I'm just gonna what does it all now. mean? <laughs> I don't know what it all means. You guys got to help me. Help you eat it? <laughs> well, if you were here, these are good, actually. Um, so this is a riddle for the next quest. And this is an online quest where people have to look online. So, oh my gosh, wait. I found another clue. I found another clue. It's like, please, please. Hold on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I can't even open it. Now you need, Andrew, now you need your handy dandy notebook. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm doing this quick. Oh, wait. I got it. I got it, guys. I made, okay. So here's here's the next clue inside the Cocoa Krispies box. I am made from life, but I am flat as the blade of a knife. I'm used by leaders. I am lobbed, loved by readers. I can cause and end wars, and I can easily be yours. What am I? Sorry, it's hard to read because of the font. 
I'll read it one more time, then everyone playing can figure it out, and then we'll move on. I'm made from life, but I am flat as the blade of a knife. I'm used by leaders, and I am uh, loved by readers. I can cause and end wars, and I can easily be yours. What am I? A bookmark? I was going to say a bookmark, but... Huh... Hmm. I don't know something. Like, anyway, we'll we'll post the the riddle on MuggleCast.com if you're involved in the HP quest. And for more information, just go to HPFanTrips.com and they have a link right there to the HP quest. So that was awesome. That was cool. Now we got this treasure box and a wand and a little Hogwarts. Thing. This HP FanTrips is doing this HP quest. Sounds really cool. Yeah, they're doing a they great are job. Really with this into quest it. Thing. That's <laughs> really good stuff. I love Beyond. Yeah, Batteries. very fun stuff. Um, so, hey, uh, Matt, do you have an update on the MuggleCast Create Your Own Segment contest? Uh, yeah, we're doing really good. Uh, we've actually gotten a few entries already. Oh, cool. Okay, and you can go on to MuggleCast.com to get more information about it. Don't forget it's sponsored by Olivons, who are creators of some great Harry Potter products. Uh, of course, they're also sponsoring this uh, HP Fantrips HP Quest, and they make a lot of cool stuff. Wands. I think this treasure chest came from them, too. But the wand definitely came from them. So, again, visit MuggleCast.com for a contest link, right? Yeah. <laughs> Micah, do you have an update about the transcripts? Sure, man. Uh, things are going uh, well. They're actually done with. Um, so, thanks to everybody who sent in applications. I know by the end of uh, Margaret, who was nice enough to go through all those applications, there was over 100. So, people responded really f- quickly to... Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a contest, right? It's just more of a, a request. Uh, an application that was put out there. A request, yeah. So uh, Margaret went through all of them. She hired 10 people, and uh, we're all set to go. So thanks to everybody who sent it in. And you know, never know when down the line we're going to be looking for more people. So uh, just keep your ears open. And uh, thanks to Margaret for doing a great job. Cool. Yeah, Margaret's been doing a great job. And thanks to all the MuggleCast trans- transcribers for tirelessly transcribing the show week to week and one final announcement and then we'll move into muggle mail um just want to say that the next live show MuggleCast live live on the internet will be with the release of the teaser trailer and matt when is that supposed to be coming out um they say it's supposed to come out on the premiere of uh warner brothers's um new film uh speed racer so presumably it'll play at the beginning presume yeah i mean it'll probably be leaked online by that time anyway and usually so, it's released online first, if not immediately after. So, And that movie is supposed to be released on May 9th, I think it is. Right. So if we do get to see the teaser trailer on May 9th, hopefully online, because so everyone doesn't have to go see Speed Racer. I'm going to go see it because John Goodman's in it. He's the man. So is Matthew Fox. Yeah. Um, so so is Susan Sarandon. <laughs> so is the Wachowski brothers, too. <laughs> so so mark your calendars. May 9th, MuggleCast Live. If not May 9th, May 10th. Basically, whenever the teaser trailer comes out. And we assume it'll be May 9th. That's our best bet right now. So let's move on to Muggle Mail. This is from Amanda, age 22, of Red Bank, New Jersey. Subject is James Joyce. In episode 140, during the discussion of James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, Eric referred to Joyce as a Briton. 
Just thought you guys should know that Joyce is not a British author, but an Irish one. And although he spent most of his life, uh, his adult life as an expatriate, his books are firmly rooted in Ireland, Dublin especially. Also, uh, Finnegan's Wake was Joyce's fourth major work, published in 1939, not his second. Just wanted to make sure that people get the correct information about a very important author because I think it's very important to recognize the huge impact that Irish authors have had on literature. Have a great week, guys. Thank you, Amanda, for this because I didn't know that, and thank you very much for clarifying. You should always Wikipedia what you're going to talk about before you talk about it. Yeah. Yes, you do. Totally work. Wikipedia is like, oh, Wikipedia is a nice source, but it's not really 100% accurate either. All the same. I mean, Amanda wrote in, she said, you know, she wants to really, you know, demonstrate the impact that Irish authors have had. I really respect that. I think that's cool. Next email comes from Lance16 of Florida. He said, after Deathly Hollows Part 2 is released, it just might be the most epic thing ever. If one of you guys or someone you hire a sign should take the final battle or some type of Battle of Hogwarts montage and mix it with Stairway to Heaven, as suggested by Make the Music Connection in episode 140, and upload it to YouTube. Hope you guys take this suggestion to heart, and if you do, I look forward to seeing it, though I know I'll have to wait a few years. At the very least, please take a moment on the show to mention this to give other fans ideas if you don't feel like doing it yourself. Love the show and keep up the good work. That's actually a pretty cool idea. And I'm sure somebody, if not one of us, will go ahead and do it. So I'll make it. I don't care. I'll, Are you I sure, I love Andrew? that. <laughs> I love putting stuff to music. Yeah, well, Good I mean, it was a great too, idea. So. I mean, I love all those things on YouTube where they uh, you know, edit movies into uh, montages with songs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. It's all done good. I'm sure somebody will do it. I mean, especially if we make it into like a listener challenge, maybe. <laughs> maybe, but I don't know if the sh- I- I'm I don't know. <laughs> the show's going to be around with listener challenges <laughs> at that point. Or YouTube, for that matter. But I'm sure oh, there'll YouTube's be something. Going YouTube's going Come down. On. Next email comes from Dominique, 15 of Florida. She writes, hey, MongoCasters, I was thinking back over older MongoCast episodes when I remembered that there was a somewhat heated debate over whether the Deathly Hallows release date was too soon or not. Some of you said that you thought that a 2007 release was great, and others thought it was too soon and wanted a 2008 release. I just wanted to know whether or not now, since we've read the final book, you think that you would have preferred the book to be out in 2008, or do you think that Joe wrote the book to your satisfaction and needed no more writing? Thanks, love the show. First, I want to say that, um, gosh, if if the book didn't come out over the summer, summer, I don't know what we'd be talking about right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, I know. How much it more have been Half-Blood Prince awful. can you talk no. about? Right yeah, oh, yeah, it's a fair yeah. question. I can't, I can't imagine, sort of the summer two thousand seven, if Deathly Hallows hadn't happened. I mean, we would have had movie five and all, but if it weren't for book seven coming out, then I really don't know. It, it's so hard to think of it. You know, now that it's a past event, what would it have been like if the book hadn't been released then? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and like, and I will completely step up to the plate and say that I was one of those naysayers who originally was like, "Oh no, the book won't come out in 2007. It has to come out in 2008." Just because when we'd been to the readings at Carnegie Hall, or no, not Carnegie Hall. I'm getting my Radio readings mixed City. up. Radio City, yeah. And when we were there, she said that she had just started, or she wasn't very far into it. Either that or some kind of article had just come out saying she was halfway through and she debunked it. And I was just like, okay, if she's not even halfway through, there's no way we're looking at a release for next summer. But I was wrong and I was really satisfied with the book. So uh, I was somebody who thought that it was going to be released later on in the year. I thought we were going to see 
a November type release or what was it October October 31st I think was my uh, big prediction but you had a really good theory about that too yeah but what ended up happening I think was probably for the best because all the books were released more or less in the summertime anyway so it kind of kept with the tradition and it, I don't think the summer would have been quite as good as it was if you didn't have both the movie and the book being released around the same time it really was the perfect summer. We had so much fun. At the same time, though, I mean, 2008 is going to be a boring summer in terms no, of yeah, no, We've got two Potter conferences, and oh, right, the movie only comes out in November. Uh, our last email comes from Dylan34 of Montana. He says, I was just listening to episode 140 where you were discussing the transfer of the Elder Wands allegiance from Dumbledore to Draco to Harry. First, I don't think you were clear about the value of the wand's allegiance, which is that it makes the wand much more powerful and effective. The best example of this is that it acts for Voldemort like any other wand with no special abilities, but Harry is able to use it to fix his wand, which everybody thought was impossible. Secondly, you seem to think that Dumbledore planned to have Draco disarm him so that the master of the Elder Wand would not go to Snape, who was vulnerable to Voldemort. This seems silly to me for two reasons. For one thing, at this point, Voldemort is planning to have Draco die as a punishment for Lucius failing to get the prophecy at the ministry. There was a much bigger chance that Voldemort would kill Draco than he would kill Snape. But more importantly, Dumbledore admits at King's Cross that his real plan was to die undefeated, so that the Elder Wand's allegiance would never transfer from him, making its dangerous power unreachable. Harry says something like, but that part didn't work out like you wanted, and Dumbledore agrees. Although it is not clear at the time, Harry is referring to Draco's disarming Dumbledore and unknowingly gaining the Elder Wand's allegiance. I think that Dumbledore, injured and drained from his experience at the lake, had to use all his power to keep Harry safe and couldn't simultaneously stop Draco from disarming him. Well, it just goes to show that not every single thing that happens happened um, as planned. Not everything was planned out. Mm. Even for Dumbledore, which yeah. is which is really a, a good sort of uh, good thing to bring up. This was the point that I made last week, saying that I thought Dumbledore maybe clearly didn't plan it out this way, but once he got to the point where he was on the top of the tower, it was almost as if he knew that it was over. And so... It may have sort of been a plan that he had in his mind at that point in time because, I mean, the points that uh, Dylan brings up are good points. And it, it disproves what I was saying last week based on the fact that Dumbledore wanted to die without having the wand's allegiance transferred to another person. He wanted to die undefeated, which makes perfect sense because then the wand can never be used again. Okay, Dumbledore's initial uh, plan was that he wasn't defeated, but once um, Draco came and disarmed him, he then knew that he, that the Elder One was Draco's. Right? Is that, what, is, is that what he was trying to say? Dylan? What he was trying to say is that my point last week that Dumbledore planned out this whole thing, that it would be better for Draco to have the power transferred to him as opposed to letting Snape come and killing him, is complete BS, because Dumbledore wanted to die without the wand transferring power to anybody else, based on his statement that he made in King's Cross. But he may have not planned it that way, but once he got into that situation, and he knew that he was going to die, I just... To me, it would be something that Dumbledore would have thought through. Hey, would it be far better for Draco to have this power unbeknownst to him as opposed to somebody like Snape who is extremely vulnerable to Voldemort. 
And I understand the point that Draco was probably going to be killed by Voldemort anyway because he didn't think that he could approach Dumbledore and be successful. So it's just a really weird situation. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. You're- Do you think he realized, though, that Draco had the Elder Wand as soon as he disarmed him? Probably. I mean, yeah, I mean, stupid for Dumbledore not to know. Well, yeah, the allegiance know. itself would would have been transferred, right? I mean, yeah, at oh, that point, the too, yeah. the allegiance to the Elder One was now Draco's. But yeah, my point last week is that he he wouldn't possibly want Snape to have that allegiance carried with him because Snape was going to kill him no matter what. That was the plan, and so he wouldn't want that to be given to Snape because Snape was such an easy target as we saw for Voldemort to take that supposed allegiance from him like he does when they're in the Shrieking Shack. He, I mean, Dumbledore's a smart guy and it goes back to the whole tower thing we were talking about last week. If he wanted to get out of that situation, he probably could have. He's far more powerful even yeah. in a weakened oh, yeah. state than any of those guys that are up on that tower with the exception right, but Dumbledore of Snape. does admit so, to Harry in the end at King's Cross that he hadn't originally planned for Draco to steal the wand. Right. He didn't originally plan it, but that's what ended up happening, and it ended up working out okay. for the best. Yeah, and you're end. saying, I mean, with hindsight, that it would be better for Snape yeah. not to have the allegiance, which is what ended up getting him killed anyway. Right? Yeah. Exactly, because... Then the power would have transferred yeah. over to Voldemort. You'd have a it's, huge it's certainly very fortunate. problem on your hands. And Dylan brings up good points. That was just a theory that I threw out there last week. Okay. Well, I'm glad we cleared it up a little more. Or you did. I tried. Um, all right. So let's get right this into week? it chapter by chapter this week, as we do every week. This week, we're going to talk about chapter 26, Gringotts. Lots of interesting stuff going on here. Definitely an interesting stuff. chapter for Fast the movies. A lot of work, a lot of work on CGI, the, right? Yes, chapter. exactly. I was, I was going to say the designers are going to have a hell of a time coming up with uh, some of the stuff. This was one of the chapters that, while reading it, it was just one of those things where you want to see in the movie. I mean, don't you think that Helena Bonham Carter is going to have fun doing all this, uh, playing, you know, Hermione and all that? With, with the trio, I think it's going to be... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Okay, uh, plot summary for Chapter 26, Gringotts is... The trio and Griphook leave Shell Cottage and go to Diagon Alley, where they break into Gringotts, with Hermione disguised as Bellatrix Lestrange. Amid much suspicion, they make their way down to Bellatrix's vault, and once inside it, encounter many problems, as the goblins have been alerted to their presence. Rushing as fast as they can to find the Horcrux in the vault, they succeed and escape at lightning speed on the back of a dragon, formerly tethered underneath London, in Gringotts' fiery depths. So, as um, Eric just said, the plan is to break into Gringotts with Hermione posing as Bellatrix under the Polyjuice Potion. And um, Hermione's complaining about having to carry Bellatrix's wand. And this is just another part of the, uh, part of the book where, where, like I've said before, it, there's a little reflection on the past seven books. And in this case, it was not exactly in the books, but it was Bellatrix's wand having killed Neville's parents. Um, and then having also killed Sirius. So, yeah. um, it was yeah. a little... it, it, it was a good moment for Harry to keep to himself, too. Because it would have blown up in his face if yeah. had he said something It's just something, something I hadn't about thought that. about until J.K. Rowling mentioned it. That Bellatrix's wand is the exact wand that tortured the Longbottoms. You know, I mean... The... <sighs> it must be hard yeah. to hold. And, you know, and like Harry said, he wanted to snap it. But... Yeah. 
So that, that was really good. It also talked a little bit about wand allegiance again because Hermione said, this wand doesn't really work for me. And, and Harry was uh, tempted to remind her about uh, the Blackthorn wand, which she <laughs> would always tell him, well, just practice, Harry. Just practice. It'll, you know, Harry's like, no, it's not the same. Yeah. And he thought she was finally understanding, but he held it back. So he kept it to himself. And overall, I mean, that was just kind of next thing they know, Bellatrix Lestrange is walking across the lawn. That That freaked me out. I mean, did you did that freak you guys at all? At all? Did that? I mean, that that hit me just like the Longbottom one thing. It was just we knew that she was gonna. I think it'll freak me out when you actually see it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But like the book, it's sort of coming unexpected. But like, yeah, the movie that's gonna be creepy as hell. Yeah, even if even if they mention it, which they do in the book, they're like, oh, you know, Polyjuice is gonna go as Bellatrix Lestrange. But just to see, just to say that. Bellatrix is walking across the lawn is like really kind of creepy. She doesn't belong there. It's Shell Cottage. It's peaceful. Dobby's grave is is weathering nicely. You know, it's all serene. And Bellatrix comes out. Yeah, it's very contrasting. Well, I'm just excited to see Helena Bonham Carter just <laughs> look like Hermione, sort of. You know, with the little like surprise expression, moving yeah, her eyebrows every exactly. two seconds Bellatrix, when she talks. I mean, sorry, uh, <laughs> Helena is going to have a heck of a fun time doing that. I think Emma's going to have to give. Uh, Helena, some uh, the pointers some lessons. Yeah, here's here's how I act in every single scene of every single Potter film. So just <laughs> do it the same way I do. Just do, watch. Do you, do you really think it's that easy, Andrew? Anything? That she acts the same way in all the Harry Potter scenes? Yeah, I think it is pretty easy. I think <laughs> she acts the same way, and it's annoying. But anyway, Harry talks about missing uh, Sea Cottage, the peacefulness of the the beautiful sea. Yeah, yeah. or even just the safetyness. You know, of of living in a cottage, you know, with such hospitality for that for that long. I feel kind of bad for Bill at this moment, you know, because I mean, he kind of knows what they're doing. But Bill and Floor have just totally put these guys up, and there's they're not allowed to tell anybody about the quest, and that you know, mate, you know why. But it just kind of it's one of those things that you really appreciate. You're like, thanks, Bill. You know, I yeah. really appreciate this, Bill. Yeah sort of things yeah you know what i wonder just from reading this chapter is how they're going to pace the seventh movie just because towards the beginning of it it states that they've been at shell cottage for several weeks that's definitely going to be cut don't you think yeah oh i'm sure but i'm just i mean they have they have to illustrate that this is a long going journey and they're spending weeks wandering around the countryside pitching a tent and then they stay at bill and floors for quite a long time too i they can't just have them go there for five minutes you know it so maybe it it'll be another classic David Yates montage. Well, yeah, it could yeah. probably also just be like a long fade transition. You know, kind of like instead of just a cut from like the morning, it kind of just goes slowly into a black fade and then fades back into the next scene. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing about these movie technique guys. They're so good at that. Like, I mean, if you remember even back in movie one, you know, transferring from winter to spring. I was actually just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, that was actually really well really done. Really well done. And it was it was sort of, um, I mean, even that just, you know, I mean, I have full confidence because they've, they've sort of had to work with a lot of these time variations in the Harry Potter books because different things happen at different stages throughout the year, you know. Yeah, and it didn't... Um... Did in Prisoner of Azkaban, don't like all the leaves fall off uh, the Whomping Willow all of a sudden? Yeah, they grow back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think Prisoner of Azkaban did the best of the transitions. Yeah, definitely. I, oh my god, I there love some good ones, of especially with the Whomping Willow. That was really sort of a key. That was really well yeah. spotted, I think, in that movie to to use the Whomping. Now, Willow. Um, Matt, you brought up something that 
I hadn't remembered actually uh, a little quote from Helena during last summer. Um, Helena Bonham Carter was um, interviewed about um, how she uh, got approached for the role, and she said that she was kind of hesitant with um, playing the role of, Hel- of um, Bellatrix Lestrange because it was a relatively um, small role. But um, I guess later on she said that J.K. Rowling um, messaged her, telling her that she actually has a bigger role in Book Seven. And that you know the book, the movie five was just a how did she say it was a bite of a carrot. So a bite of yeah, a carrot compared to exactly the real, to the entire know, thing. The so um, do you think yeah. like this is one of those scenes where um, this and I think the um, the battle at Hogwarts is the two big scenes that is is in this for um, Bellatrix Lestrange. When Malfoy yeah. and her, when she's interrogating, I Hermione. think in order of the scene, or the Phoenix, the the care comparison was good because she's basically just Voldemort's sidekick. She's not, she just plays right. off that little sidekick role. And then in this, I think, I mean, yeah, she's I, really in the. She's this is the scene where she's really in the front. Yeah, that's a whole big scene. Yeah, and it's important. The so. forefront. It's interesting too because considering Bellatrix was just in the previous scene interrogating Hermione using the Cruciatus Curse, you know, it's going to be really. I think it's going to be really effective because, you know, Hermione, that Bellatrix was just causing Hermione so much pain for then to Hermione, you know, to go and come out on the yard and say what uh, she tasted disgusting worse than Gertie right. is going to be so fun for the actress. It's just a whole different do, other um, side of, of this character that we're going to see. And so I'm just I'm really excited to see Helena Bonham Carter do it because she's really she's really a great actress. Um, so back to the chapter there. About to depart for what Diagon Alley, and um, Hermione does this thing where she mixes up Ron's face, and he makes some kind of joke about he doesn't like the beard too long or something like that. And um, Harry and Griphook are under the cloak. Now, one of the points I wanted to bring up here was that uh, even though this is Harry Potter and they're going into Gringotts and they got a plan and they've been planning it for weeks, sometimes plans go wrong. Sometimes things happen. And do you guys think just to add as a um, sort of precaution, they should have also transformed Harry just a little bit, just in case something would need to happen and Harry would need to leave the invisibility cloak? He would be looking exactly like himself, which is not a good idea in a public place. I, I always thought Hermione should have performed a, a spell on him too, you know, just as a precaution, even if he stayed under the cloak. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know because. Who would they transform him into, and what kind of excuse would they have when he suddenly just comes out of nowhere? Well, I'm suggesting why not have Ron under the invisibility cloak and Harry out as someone else too. I mean, if you're well, gonna, I mean, if you're gonna actually have a plan to have a side, but I think, I think only Griphook would agree to hold on to Harry because he does yeah. not want to touch oh, Ron because Ron and him argue. Yeah, all and the they time. needed some way to conceal him anyway because it would have looked really weird if they were being accompanied by Griphook, you know. But even when they're as far as down in the vault, uh, anyone who looks can now see Harry Potter. But but then again, yeah, but by he that imperious. Point, yeah, he's the, the one that has m- most of the wand two. power, um, other yeah. than Hermione. Ron can't do You're any right. of the stuff that, and also he wouldn't take orders from Griphook when he told him, "You must act now. You must do this now," or something. Mm-hmm. But totally. also, um, as good. you were setting that up, Eric, I was thinking: Has there ever been a situation where the invisibility cloak fails them? Because I'm thinking maybe they just trust the invisibility cloak. Because um, if they've never run into a problem with it, I mean, yeah, they should still. Well, the only problem they ever had was, I think, gosh, Harry. Like it was in the, the it was in the third book, I think, when someone like stepped on it, 
and it came down yeah. and like revealed his head or something like I that would be the only that. issue because <laughs> yeah because well, it's was, like it's a tangible six. object and it can be yeah. removed or well i also uh was it was in goblet of fire I, I don't think it's really a problem but it's when it's when he was um it's when he when mad eye moody oh yeah that too and mad eye moody saw him through the uh, or the mad eye moody oh, imposter yeah. saw him through the cloak there was another scene in POA where he leaves it on the astronomy tower because he gets caught or something. Do you guys remember that? And then, or maybe... <gasps> no, it was, that it was, was Sorcerer's Stone. Book. That was Sorcerer's yeah. Stone. When, when they're taking Norbert off in the book, I guess, and then he leaves it there, but it magically comes back to him and stuff. There's, so there's well, Snape is aware of it, too. I remember him talking about it at some point in the series yeah. as well. I, just, so. I, I just still to, think it could be a trust thing with the cloak. I mean... You know, or just just to clarify though, I don't mean anything would go wrong with the cloak. I mean, if anything went wrong, and and uh, I, I just think if the cloak fell off, if it was pulled off, right? So that would be something happen. going wrong with the cloak, though. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. I saw that. I saw that falling apart. Just <laughs> but like I do agree. I mean, you know, why not have a extra? Why not screw up Harry's face too? Just just for fun. But to be fair, at the point, Griphook is still there. Yeah, though. and at the point when they get down to the vaults, they they pass that water, that puddle, that erased all their concealment yep. so they look like themselves anyway by the time yeah. they get down to the vault which and they did successfully really even if they did change his face or not if if he was um exposed it would they would be in the same situation okay well, well let's ke- that's let's cool. keep moving on with this um so within Diagon Alley, we're we're still going to be stay outside of uh, Gringotts for now. Upon entering Diagon Alley, Harry's uh, is Harry's his own face is all over all over the streets with posters reminiscent of what we saw in Prisoner of Azkaban with Sirius. Have you seen this wizard? Now, Eric, this is in the books too, right? Because in your notes you put Gary Oldman, but I mean it was in the books too, weren't there signs? Oh, as yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. were, yeah. 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 yeah, all over Hogsmeade and stuff. I I don't know if it said "Have you seen this wizard?" But it it's, you yeah. know, said pretty much that it's, it's a wanted poster. Yeah, yeah, wanted posters, you know, <laughs> as they come. But um, I had remembered because my movie theater got a bunch of those. You got this whole big stand. You know, have you seen this wizard? Wasn't it also like a countdown to Prisoner of Azkaban? It was one of their main, I think, display pieces. One of the standees that they, yeah. uh, Warner Brothers sent out. One was of those cardboard Sirius stands. Black. Yeah. Serious black wanted poster. So I thought of that immediately when I was reading this about uh, Undesirable Number One and Harry Poster mm-hmm. thing. They'd have, they'd have fun with that. But um, Harry mentions here that his 11th birthday was the most wonderful one in his life, which was so sweet. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Yeah, he recalled going into Gringotts for the first time and the whole yeah. trip to Hagrid. And just thinking about that, like, to have this kind of reflection where your 11th birthday was the, the most wonderful, it's like, it's it's bittersweet because, you know, here he is, he's 17 and he's contemplating, you know, death. And so in his first 17 years of life, the 11th birthday, when he found out he was a wizard, when he escaped the evil Dursleys, you know, before he knew what evil even was. And it was just – it was really good to hear him say that. And that was like, wow. You know, well, we've I think come it's so far. also a good parallel to um, when um, Hagrid was telling him about Gringotts, when he was saying you'd be a fool to try and um, break into one of these. And here he is, you know, <laughs> seven years, years later, later yeah, doing the exact years. same thing. Foreshadowing. Yeah. There we go. Yep. Absolutely. It's kind of uh, – it was really cool. That, then while they enter – Gringotts. There's these new things called the probity, pro, 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 probity, 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 quiz. No, probity probes. <laughs> um, oh. 
so there's this new security, and they just they check to make sure that you have no um secure. What what was it again? You have no like charms or spells on you. Yeah, concealments. Concealments. Or anything. That was it. Yeah. No surprise. It reminds me of TSA when you're at the airport. Yeah, it's the TSA. It's exactly <laughs> like TSA, really. And uh, <laughs> Harry has some well armed. Sorry, well-aimed spells here, but it's exactly like TSA with the little metal detector thing or whatever it it's is. It's a good thing they didn't have a MacBook Air with them, huh? <laughs> oh, current news! <laughs> well, it wouldn't have worked because all that magic, you know, in Diagon Alley. For anyone who doesn't know, MacBook Airs were recently under scrutiny because they didn't look like a normal laptop, so the TSA had to look at the new ones and be like, okay, these aren't bombs. That happened to my dad once with an iPod. Like, he was going through, and his iPod didn't have headphones on oh, it. Oh, brother. And they were like, don't these normally come with headphones? And my dad was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, seriously. So they sneakily get past the GSA, the Gringott Security Administration. <laughs> and um, what uh, they get down into the vault. Uh, well, they're get- going through there. And Eric, what do they pass through, like you mentioned earlier? Oh, my God. They pass down this weird sort of, I don't know if it's a puddle on the tracks. Wet it's a waterfall. Spot. Was it a waterfall? Was it, was it a waterfall? It's a waterfall, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. One of those nice little waterfalls, which is probably pouring sulfur or something because they're down underneath the ground with stalactites and stalagmites. Anyway, washes away all their magical enchantment, all their concealments. Sigh. And so they all look like themselves again. And Hermione's disguise, I mean, Hermione's disguise as Bellatrix worked so far, but then again, I mean, it was kind of iffy coming down. Well, let's talk I, about I that. I forgot yeah. to mention that they get stopped I in, talk in about... Diagon Alley by, what, this other Death Eater guy. Right. They do. And this is kind of something that um, was not well thought through again. I go back to the Ministry situation that existed uh way back in the early chapters of this book, but uh, it's pretty clear that something happened at Malfoy Manor. Um, Bellatrix would certainly have alerted Gringotts, most likely, to the fact that her wand was stolen and that there's other sorts of people out there that might be interested in in getting into her vault. So... To me, this seems like a pretty stupid idea. I understand they had to do it because it advanced the story. It advanced the plot. But again, not well thought through. But they do have to get the Horcruxes. And it it is made known that they do say that they're suspicious. Harry knows that they're suspicious. Well, see, Harry seems to make all the right decisions here. Hermione, however, does not. I mean, a bit like Michael was saying, especially considered the weeks that they planned this thing – a lot of the things Hermione does and a lot of her confusion, you know, for instance, it takes her so long to sort of get over the fact that she has her wand, you know, sort of thing. And, and Harry's trying to whisper stuff in her ears from beneath the invisibility cloak. You know, for how much they planned it, it's just – I think Hermione really mm-hmm. messes it up for them. I think uh, that's – Well, you got to give Hermione a little bit of sympathy. I mean she is playing the woman who tortured her for like an hour. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, you got to and, – and it's not exactly a good thing if you make a good Bellatrix Lestrange. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 not necessarily the biggest compliment if you can play one you know if you play her accurately but um well, whether well, she played it off well or not though um they were going they're going to be screwed it's it's pretty much obvious that they're not going to get very far i think they all knew that harry even said it to himself early on in the chapter that he had to keep telling himself this was a good plan even though he knew in the back of his head it was it was going to fall apart uh, but they really had no choice and the, the fact, I mean, they even said it that um, 
Harry said that they had to move as quickly as possible because uh, Bellatrix is still really um, oh sorry Bellatrix is really um, uh, paranoid about her vault yeah. in question. That's Why? true. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think they knew going into it that the whole thing was going to fall around, you know, behind, fall down behind them. But I think it was just a matter of being quick and achieving the goal as quickly as possible and getting out because there was no possible way they were going to get in there, steal the cup, and then get out without anyone knowing. Yeah. It just wasn't going to well, happen. There is an opposite so. to that too, which is what kind of happened. I mean, they did make it down to the vaults, and I am so happy for them, but. By the time they did, all the alarms had been set off, and people were really suspicious. So they didn't have much time. They made it. They made it. I have one more question about this waterfall. When they go through it, Griphook yells, the thief's downfall. Is this what the system is called? Because it's it's in all caps, and... I just don't, like... I think that's the name of it. It is the the name of it. The thief's downfall. Like a waterfall. The thief's downfall. No, if it's down, it should have feathers in it. (laughs) Yeah, that was well, a fabric joke. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't even have been referring to Harry. I mean, well, yeah, that's, that's what yeah, that's what I, mean, I thought. I but then I, I thought it's an all caps. Maybe, and it's referred to twice. Well, it's kind of like two with the the poem. Maybe it's like part yeah, of the. Well, uh, I mean, thief be warned poem. or something. Yeah, like that's kind of the mm. the whole thing they have going is that they named. It's kind of like a you know Cutter's treasure and and Dead Man's Curve. You know, it's just one of those things that 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 Grip Hook likes to name on the way there. You know, I I think that was the actual name of the waterfall. It's, yeah, that's what I think it was too. But uh, the question surrounding this, though, is Grip Hook didn't say anything about this. Yeah, we get the point. That, that's the issue. I mean, we get the kind of idea that although Grip Hook was like never letting the trio out of his sight, and they were always planning for this, it seems to me that he left out this whole thing about the waterfall. <laughs> That well, maybe that's the, why he screamed it out like that. He's like, oh, shit, I forgot about Thieves' Downfall. I, Here we go. Right. <laughs> I don't think he forgot, though. I think I think it's part of that distrust that he had going. I mean, if you – I mean, later in the chapter, they're like, okay, well, Griphook never expected wizards to play fair and actually give him the sword. So, he, you know, when he dives for it, when they're in the vault, it's just – you know, Harry's just like, you know, oh, heck. So, I, I mean, do you, yeah. think, do you really think he maybe forgot? This, yeah. I, I agree with Eric. I don't think he forgot. No, <laughs> at all. I bet it was it was probably part of his plan to reveal their identity. So once he got the sword back, he would leave, and yeah. then the trio was caught, and then he wouldn't. Yeah. That grip hooker wouldn't have yeah. to deal with him. And he knew if the trio got caught, then he knew he would get his sword back. Yeah, it's just it's unless they release the uh, dragon, but that's not. It's one of the things I just mean. want to slap grip grip hook around for. But you know, I'm sure people would get upset if they heard me say that. So, so you don't think he was just away for so long. I, I mean, I understand he's worked there for how many ever years, so he clearly knows about this waterfall, but I mean, it could have been something that slipped his mind up to that point where he was it. just... It seems to be one of the mm, only... I don't well, think no, so. I think probably... I mean, they did make a truce, so he probably ha- like has to keep his word to that point, but he doesn't have to necessarily keep all the details of that um, truce in. Like, he... He he'll lead them to the the vault, but he doesn't have to necessarily yeah. get them there as safely, safely as uh, they would hope. Which is just like Harry, you know, saying he'll give Griphook the sword of Gryffindor when he's planning on giving it to him eventually. You know that sort of thing. So it's just one of those things. But and then Bill also gave that warning in at the end of the yeah. last chapter that they don't trust humans. I think that's just foreshadowing, and that's just 
<laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that all of a sudden Griphawk just conveniently forgets <laughs> well, this. Well, I'm sure, I mean, Harry kind of has it in the back of his mind, too, but he just doesn't yeah. have any other choice. He's kind of like, ah, great, waterfall. What's he, yeah, doing? that's all the thing. He does I mean, all magic concealment. I mean, he has no other way of getting down there, so... Yeah. So, we get to the dragon that... Well, they pass the dragon. Is, uh, I don't know. Well, no, they get don't they don't they come to it? Isn't the dragon? Yeah, well, actually, it's one the most the yeah, they see it. the most um, ancient four or five vaults or something. Yeah, and they have to start ringing the clangers. The clankers, they get past it. I mean, yeah, well, this is. But okay, I just want to say something about this dragon. Did anybody when they read the first book? Know that you were going to see a dragon in Gringotts? <laughs> no. Well, did anyone see the remember, foreshadowing? Because um, I did. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to go back to Gringotts, and we're going to see this actual dragon being guarded by... Because Harry sees his stuff. Yeah, I remember, actually, when the... Um, I guess it was the deluxe cover art came out, and it showed the dragon. Everybody... We were all speculating about what kind it was or whatever. And we did talk about seeing that spurt of fire in the first book when they were down there. And I, I don't know if Harry said something specifically about expecting to see a dragon. I don't know. But the foreshadowing was definitely there, and... I think it's just another example of how good she was mm-hmm. at yeah. setting this up. Cause... See, because th- this whole part right here, I actually, I'll, I'll, I'll admit something. When when you guys were doing chapter by chapter, when you talked about the um, the Gringotts chapter, um, I th- that was during the whole um, Deathly Hollow speculation, and th- and that's when I thought that. Because I always thought you, that we were going to go into Gringotts and see a dragon, so I thought that maybe a Horcrux would be in Gringotts so you could see the dragon. Matt, we should have had you on the show like a hundred episodes ago. Uh, I just, I didn't want to be on it. You guys didn't interest me. <laughs> but you listened anyway. <laughs> you became a transcriber. Yeah, this whole okay. dragon thing, they've, um, and we talked about, we just talked about the foreshadowing. Now, do you guys think it was cool to figure out what exactly the Gringotts goblins do to keep this dragon down there? They've kind of enslaved it. It's tethered to the ground and they have these clankers that they ring you know to sort of instill fear on in it because i guess when they usually ring those things they start whipping it or or using swords against it is what the book said i had a hard time picturing this whole scene because like the vision i always got with gringotts especially if you go deeper and deeper into it is that it's going to get smaller and smaller and there's no room for a giant dragon <laughs> to be think cavern like, though i mean I always yeah. imagined it got yeah, bigger. Kind of really? Andrew, have oh. you ever seen the movie yeah. uh, The Core with Hilary Swank? They go down no. and oh, there's God. like all these open oh, caverns. So normally I wouldn't mention this movie. I'm losing fans. There's like a little counter I keep of how many fans I'm losing. It's going skyrocketing or doing the opposite right now. But uh, in The Core, there's all these uh, sort of open caverns underneath the uh, earth filled with diamonds and stuff. I'm sure that's probably accurate. Hmm. And the catacombs of France. But, um... <laughs> Back to the Gringotts core, we they go in. I mean, wh- what are we going to talk about in, inside inside the vault? There's the skull with the crown still on it, and uh, someone can explain this whole thing. Eric, what did you want to talk about with this? With the vault, they're in the vault. They finally get in the vault, which is interesting because well, Griphook's in there with them. I think he is, and both but, um both goblins are in there. Yeah, wait, both goblins? Yeah. They oh, are. the Imperialist one as well. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It, it feels kind of crowded to begin with, and on top of all that, everyone knows they're there. So basically all of the charms, all of the enchantments, all of the sort of things to prevent exactly this sort of thing have been enacted. And it, it's really like a you know a rush sort of thing to the finish, and uh, 
just to get out there, the whole rest of this chapter, once they get in that vault, the rest of the chapter, I mean, the whole chapter goes by fast, but the rest of the chapter just is like a page to the finish, you know. Yeah. So let's let's talk about how the the enchantment on the treasure is. What do you, do you guys think this was a clever thing? The whole if you touch it, it burns you, and then oh, it definitely it like copies itself by twenty. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I mean, it seems like it's almost some mythological reference or biblical reference. I can't remember where, mm, but it, doesn't this seem like something that has been done well, before? Well, th- th- this this really re- well. I don't know about the whole copying itself thing, but this whole scene kind of reminds me of the of the Hobbit from J.R.R. Tolkien. Why is that? Has any of you read that? It, because Ooh, I I'm, read it in uh, like sixth grade. Uh, but... Well, the the dragon. Um, I forgot the evil dragon though is guarding the treasure, and yeah, yeah, and um, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read it since the sixth grade. Michael, either. you were saying about uh, <laughs> okay. Greek mythology. Um, th- you remember the Hydra? Which also makes an appearance in the Hercules movie. <laughs> the Hydra is the dragon that, uh, you know, once you cut off its head, it grows two more or three more or something. So, was that what you were possibly thinking of? No, I'm thinking about something where you, you touch it and it multiplies and it's almost suffocating in the same sense that this stuff oh, was. Because this was really sticky stuff, this whole burning, scalding sort of thing. I sort of just think back to like. Like, it's like Willy Wonka kind of, kind of actually. When they start floating, I don't know. I can't, they get closer to the fan to exploding. I, that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know, maybe someone will someone will email in with a with an idea for that. Yeah, like people a, were really good with that when I had um I forget what I had done, but people were really helpful. So okay, so um basically uh, they find out that if you touch anything in the vault, um everything it, it burns your your skin and it multiplies into like twenty Another thing, things. Could have prepared them with. Um, well, maybe Grip Hook didn't know. He doesn't know everything about each vault. Yes, he does. You sure he does? I'd like to think so, maybe because I mean, he he was spot on with everything else. He he remembered that he. Well, was he's the one also who the one who got burned well himself. Person. I think it, if he cares about himself at all, he would probably prepare himself with um what would happen. Mm, that's a fair point. So yeah. that's a fair point. Do we yeah. know if he got burned accidentally or what? No, he was buried. I don't. Harry remember seeing both, um, both goblins getting buried by the um, the burning jewels. Oh, and, and didn't then in the book doesn't say he could always only see see long white yeah, fingers. Yeah, long skinny like, fingers or something. Yeah. Creepy. But, um, yeah. So um, so basically they find the um the Helga Hufflepuff's cup and they tried to and so Harry tries to use the um the sword to grab it because they find out that the sword is the only thing that can touch the treasure without um, setting off the charm. And Hermione uses uh, Levy Corpus on Harry and, you know, Levy Corpus is very un... It's not very easy to manipulate and Harry keeps running into things and everything just starts to multiply um, out of control. And so they're starting to get buried by the treasure and finally... This is the part where I get confused. Because this was this was very this hard to follow. Because I'm I'm really excited to yeah. see what actually this scene looks like in the film. Because I had to read it a few times just to kind of get what really happened. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Who has the sword? Harry still has a sword in his hand, right? Well, Griphook had the sword actually. I mean, Griphook was was like reaching for it. He dove for it or something. Somehow Harry got it, and he was trying to use it to grab the cup. Her, People are diving Hermione, everywhere like, too. 
Yeah, people are diving. Stuff is burning, and and meanwhile, the whole thing is rising. Mm-hmm. You know, with fake treasure and and real treasure, and everything's burning, scalding. Uh, Harry said, you know, the the heat inside the chamber totally intensified because all this stuff was like burning up. And in in the middle of it all, Hermione uses Levicorpus on Harry. All of a sudden, he's <laughs> thrown up by his ankle. You know, he's hanging by his ankle, but you know, it turns out to be the thing that does it, I guess, because now he's so high in the air, he can. He can reach the the cup or whatever, but it's just this... And that's where Harry loses mm-hmm. the Harry sword. Harry loses yeah. the sword, but he grabs the cup. He has the cup in he his head, the but cup. then he right. looks for the sword, and the sword is missing. And then all of a sudden, they're being pulled out of the vault and surrounded by a bunch of menacing goblins with daggers and stuff. <laughs> but then it also says there, it was Griphook who had seen it and Griphook who lunged. And in that instant, Harry knew that the goblin had never expected them to exactly. keep their word. So that's when Griphook takes mm-hmm. it. So there you go. Huh. I thought Griphook flipped the cup up to Harry. Yeah, he did. I remember that too. He did. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, his show of solidarity, I yeah, guess. Yeah. So it's say. like, all right, here, here, here you go. Yeah. You're not going to keep it for very long, but that's what we agreed on. Oh, did Griphook really yeah. pull through? Well, he gave. Well, he wanted the sword. So yeah. he, he, yeah. Didn't want, he didn't want he didn't want the, the treasure yeah. use because he yeah, doesn't want to st- because he doesn't want to be considered a thief if he's got if he gets caught with the cup right. in his according hand. to him the the sword is you know his entitlement because yeah as a goblin and basically when yeah. he has the sword in his hand sorry he also figures that I mean they're just about to get caught yeah. anyway yeah. so yeah, and, well, and that's they really do cool, it doesn't really matter they do get read caught. that so that was yeah. I mean I didn't catch that and what I what I found was pretty shady was um. Griphook ran into the big mob of goblins, and they accept, accepted him without question, with the sword in hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if somebody came running at me with a sword and I had a dagger, I probably would accept them, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the other thing is, well, I mean, don't you think they trust mm. Griphook? I think it's an inherent well, sort yeah, of especially trust. since he just brought well, yeah. back a relic that they thought was theirs. And also, he's, he's, yeah. he's jumping and screaming, pointing to the trio thieves. Going, thieves! thieves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's just joining the rest of them like he's supposed to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, total good play by Griphook. <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, so, Harry, and, oh, so the, uh, wrapping it up, wrapping up the chapter, the trio has to escape. And how do they get away from the goblins? I for, I actually forget this a little bit. They run on the dry on run. the dragon. Harry runs oh, on they, the dragon. No, he uses um. Well, that too. But how far is the dragon? Does he blind them first? Like, doesn't he? Oh yeah, they use something. With they them? use a few um. Stupefy um, curses, yes, yeah, spells. They use they use stupefy on a, um, a few of the goblins, and then they start to charge on him, the ones who didn't get affected by the spell. And then they and then they all start to run. And Harry comes up to the the dragon and uses um, relatio the uh, on the on his on, on uh, the cuffs on the yeah. cuffs on the, of the dragon. Shackles. And then he yells, yeah, he yells for Harry and Hermione to get on, and um, they climb onto the um, the dragon and. How do they describe the scales on the dragon, guys? Um, hard as steel, I think. It was, uh, the, the, the... Yeah, you got the impression that they could break through Gringotts Bank, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, and he was like, oh, what a, a good tool, so... And and the other thing is that the dragon didn't even feel them climb on, and also at first, I mean, being kept down in this darkness, the dragon is actually, like, more or less blind, kind of. Like, it's relying on its other senses sort of thing, so it doesn't actually realize exactly what's happening. It knows when it hears the sound of the clankers that it's got to, you know, be, you know, sort of subdued. But it doesn't realize that it's unshackled 
you know, for a little bit of time for that key time when the trio climbs on. And then as soon as it does realize, it, you know, just totally finds its way out through the marble floor of the lobby. Now, I mean, this is all cool and interesting and stuff, but uh, I... they're going to have to change Gringotts from what it looked like How? in movie one, at least the exterior, because they don't have the big doors, if I'm remembering correctly, well, in the movie. Well, n- they may. You just saw the stairs up to it. You didn't see them go through the door. Yeah, it's it's true. Yeah. Well, what they did was they showed one shot of the entire exterior, from what I remember, and it was they made it very tall and very narrow. Yeah. I believe. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I, they probably will have to change some things, though. It's, if she can ever do that, it'll still be really fun to see. Yeah, it will be. So that's that. I mean, that's the chapter. It's all about it's all about Dang. Gringotts. It's really cool because you know you get to see an old old part of the Harry Potter story reappear and do something crazy. All right, well that does it for chapter by chapter this week. But first, ah yes, imposters. What imposters? I thought Gringotts had ways of revealing imposters. Who were they? Does your thing for quote quiz does it really have that ah uh, yes? Is that part of the the sound? No, that's oh, me. Oh, because you say it almost every single time. So I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my god, does it really have that? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like ah. Uh, uh, all right, so we're gonna try out another segment that uh, we kicked off a couple weeks ago. Matt's called the sorting hat. It is hat. now called the sorting hat. Yeah. What 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 is this segment? Real well, briefly. Okay, okay, okay. Since uh, you and Eric were not on the time we did this, I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get to Dude, tell you what's about the it. sorting hat. Well, okay, it's a segment, and basically, it's um we take uh probably a celebrity or a public a public figure, and we sort them into a house at Hogwarts and discuss why. Let's do the first two here to warm us up, and then we'll. Uh, Eric and I will say what house we're in. Uh, so first one Matt has here, Stephanie Myers. Meyer, sorry. Stephanie Meyer. Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. Yeah. Hello. Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer. I don't think we know enough about no, her. No, we don't. But since she was on um, the news and she's been on relatively um, in the public right now, I just think it's just – Well, what, what house do you think she would be in? Talk- I think she'd be in Hufflepuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I guess so. Just based on the interview that she that that we just talked about in the beginning, when she talks about like how um her, I mean how great J.K. Rowling is, and she just seems really modest, and I think modesty is very is very prominent in um Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, so what house I would be in? I hate to be so generic, but I have to say Gryffindor. I mean, I lead this podcast. I must be a Gryffindor. I'm I'm courageous <laughs> and I'm I'm a leader and I'm I'm just like awesome, just like Harry. Do you guys think I belong there? I think your ego would put you in Slytherin. I know. Jeez, oh, that's I, I was just about to say you're kind of um you're kind of a see. see that's, that's <laughs> and before a lot of people email. I have to admit that you know I I pretend to have a big ego on the show just to be funny. It's not it's not real. So if you look at it that way, I may I may not be. People yeah. hopefully don't think and I'm I, as arrogant. I I'm said that really jokingly. Like, I know. I, it was just a joke, Andrew. No, I know. But a lot yeah. of people people will email and be like, "Andrew's got a big head." No, I don't. I just act like that on the show to be funny. Yeah. And and the whole thing is, I mean, you're right. You do lead the show. You lead the podcast, and you've done some really consistent work with that. Yeah. And I I think I would go along with you. I think so too. So how about you, Eric? Who who what what? I I like to hide behind the robes I've had for four years, and I'm just going to say Gryffindor. 
Well, that's fair. If, totally. if you brought bought the robes already, you don't want to get new ones. So <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bet. But no, no. I mean, I I think um I think that would be a uh, like you know would I be a Ravenclaw? Would I be a Hufflepuff? Would I be a Slytherin? You know, consider the alternatives. Maybe I'd be a Hufflepuff. But I'd like to think that I would uh, I would you know really sort of deal with things. If, if something came my way and I had to deal with it, I would want to to be brave and courageous. So I don't know. What do you guys think? What you guys have known me for past 145 episodes. What, what are we doing here? What, uh, what house am I in? I agree. I agree. I, with think, the uh, I think you'd be mad at me if I told you. No, no, no. Laura. I, I honestly, I don't know. I would have to say Hufflepuff and okay. don't, don't hit me. Okay. No, no, no I'm know. not, I'm not upset at all. In fact, I'm happy. I'm happy that you said that you, that took bravery. Laura, you're clearly a Gryffindor. For telling me that well, I would be a Hufflepuff. Well, thank you. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> All right. Uh, so, do you still think I'm going to be a Puff now, Laura? That I complimented you? Uh, yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, why? Or is doing? Can we get into that? I don't know. It's just. I I don't know. It just can't place it. It just when I think of you, I think of I that, I kind so. of have to. And you know agree. what? It's not a bad thing. I mean, I I, I don't really okay, know. Then. I mean, I don't know all the aspects. It's just for some reason I always thought that. You looked better with yellow and black. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe, you know, maybe I actually you're blonde, that. Eric. You're right. You're actually probably right. I don't know. I'll t- maybe that's what I'll do then. I'll try on some Hufflepuff robes and see if I can maybe, I don't know, switch them out or something. I, I might be coming. I might be becoming a puff. I don't know. So, um, well, there's sorting hat. If you've any ideas for sorting hat people who to sort now that we all said each other. I mean, of course, a couple other co-hosts haven't said it yet. But um, if you have ideas for people who we should sort. Um, don't send in George Bush, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton. We've already gotten that <laughs> multiple times. Maybe we'll do it down the road, but not not right now. Mm-hmm. And, right. and all you'll get are obnoxious comments, especially about George Bush. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's we not don't want to upset any yeah any Bush fans who might listen to the show. Can't be done tastefully. Anyway, we also got some voicemails this week. So um, so let's take the first one now. Hi, this is Lisa, 27, from Charlotte, North Carolina. I was thinking about the whole there are worse things than death statement, and yes, obviously there are worse things. And, of course, naturally, in the world of Harry Potter, my brain kind of went towards the Dementors and the soul-sucking that they do. Voldemort, you know, I, I don't believe that he ever really thought about what terrors might await him if the Dementors took his soul. As you know, our souls are kind of like what feed our passion, and yeah, Voldemort's passions were very disturbing, but he still had his soul to fuel them. He disregarded most of it, but the fact remains that there was still a shred of it in there. So then I was thinking a little bit deeper, and I was wondering, do you guys think that someone as morally decrepit as Voldemort would be an empty shell if the Dementor sucked out their soul, or would they just be far more evil? Just tell me what you think. Pickles! Well, isn't the whole point that they suck happiness out of the air? And I don't think Voldemort really had any happiness or any good He's memory. not a very happy so- person. Um, yeah, he's still a happy person. I mean, it's like it's like mirth and greed and sort of evil. You know, he's happy where others fail. I think Voldemort was happy. If if Voldemort were to encounter a Dementor, he, you know, the bad things he would see would be Harry defeating him, and you know, the good things sucked out of him would be, you know, his Patronuses would have to be made out of people, you know, him doing evil acts. I I, I think Voldemort can still be happy. I think it really but depends on what happy. What defines happy for the Dementors? What defines happy, especially for Patronus making sake. But she's actually asking, because Voldemort has so little of a soul in his body or whatever, like, would a Dementor's kiss kill him 
you know, would it would it do what it needed to do to, or would he just be like this walking empty shell with absolutely no soul? You know, could he still survive, especially if he still has his Horcrux? Yeah, but see, when I think of the fact that you're talking about positive emotions, you know, happiness and good memories, I think it's got to be more along the lines of attacking somebody who actually can sense the difference between right and wrong and as far as Voldemort's concerned it goes back to what Laura was saying I don't think that he has enough in him in terms of positive emotions to Form warrant a, a soul being sucked out of him I think he's he would almost fall in line with the Dementors I mean he's so decrepit an individual that you know his soul is split into seven pieces that you know what is there for a Dementor to actually go after mm-hmm. That's a really mm-hmm. good point. I agree. There's really not much for a Dementor to feed off. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, you guys hear that sound? What is that? What is that, Mike? What? Is that another dog? Is that another dog on the TV? No, it's another voicemail! Hey, Muscle Cast, this is Aaron. I'm uh, 12 years old from Massachusetts, and I'm calling about last week's chapter by chapter. You were talking about how Hermione said she had never done a memory jam before. But um, she had modified her parents' memories. Uh, Joe cleared that up. She said that modifying a memory and obliviate are two separate terms. Uh, just clearing that up. Uh, love the show. Keep, uh, keep it up. Bye. Um, I just that's actually not from last week's chapter by chapter. That's a really old voicemail. But I don't think we ever cleared that's that good. up. So I don't even remember us talking about that. Yeah, it's been a while yeah it's I been think. a while right well anyway thank you for clearing that up yeah yeah it's good to know all right yeah so there were only two voicemails this week and that's because of a problem there's something going on with our MuggleCast hotline um the the people can't call it right now and i have a i have a ticket into skype and hopefully they'll fix it but um sorry about that but thought we could get to a couple voicemails anyway so Micah, you wanted to um, try a new segment this week. What, what 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 is this? This is This Week in MuggleCast. It's a look back. We're almost three years old now. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but uh, we can go back in time now. We can play a segment from This Week in MuggleCast, and we can uh, go all the way back to episode 35 on April 16th, 2006. Oh my god. You can god. actually play Does a that... clip. Yeah, yeah we're so... going to play a clip. Like, I mean, now. I so, don't know what yeah. clip we're going to play, but we're going to play it, and then we're all going to say, hey, that was great. I remember that. And go on. Wait, what? Wait, what did you say? But we don't actually know what clip we're going to play. We'll just pretend we. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we can't pretend. comment on it. This... Wait, wait, hold on. What if, what if, what if we all start going like. Maybe we can go back in time. Like in Wayne's World? Here, let's try it. Let's try it. Okay. Before we go anywhere else, first let's check in with Mike and Tan for the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Was this that show? <laughs> From Studio 1A in... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Micah, what are you doing? Huh? This is MuggleCast, not the Today Show. Oh, that's right. Starting this Wednesday, the National Oh my god, I forgot about that. Wow. Micah, you always do something really cool with your news. I really loved some of the early, early, early Micah segments. 
I love that. It was so like I hate to say it, but it was kind of corny. It was. <laughs> it was really corny. I don't so know, much of, of what we do is corny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I miss that ingenuity. I mean, not that we don't have ingenuity now, but I miss that particular thing. It's like, what's going? So on? that was all the way back. That was episode. Yeah, unlike you, Micah, I actually went and got prepared for the segment because I knew you weren't doing it. So. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. But this was this was Micah's idea for a segment. So. Aww. Um. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of fun to do. So that, so yeah, like Micah said, that was two years ago. Jeez, which episode was it? Was that actually thirty-five? Or was yeah, that... that was actually it, man. I w- I went back, I downloaded the episode, and I thought that was a funny bit. I thought we could just pick funny bits instead of like you know. I mean, some of the things we were talking about back then is ridiculous. <laughs> do you guys think the actors are going to be in all seven Harry Potter movies? I mean, I don't know. It's... It could be too old or something. <laughs> something about yeah. Ben looking like a swan. Uh, I'm reading the show that. notes. Oh, I remember that. When you guys were talking about um, what you guys look like. And um, and uh, like what ben, would be our animagist? Did Ben or? say he looked like a swan ben, or something? Ben, ben accused Laura of looking like a dog. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I Laura remember that. Remember an insult. Oh, man. Those were back in the days when... It- he and I would just like be at each other's throats <laughs> during the show the whole time. Do you remember and you that? And you accused Ben of being a Still sloth. Are. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, well, gosh, you know, all the memories. Truth hurts. Back. Funny. It's kind of scary. How Here's another old segment that. we haven't done in a while. It's Andrew's. Huh? Redo that. Email of the week. Andrew's. Huh? Email of the week comes from Janine. Twenty three. Wait, no, I am twenty four. I think. Location, two haystacks from Dayton, Ohio. I just wanted to write in and say I really enjoy the show. I do not listen on, re- on a regular basis, but whenever I remember people suck and I do not want to talk to my friends, I load my iPod with your episodes and spend days listening to your ideas, thoughts, and random- randomness. I sometimes get too into it and start trying to do butt-in on the conversation. Then I remember this is a pre-recorded podcast and iPods don't talk back. Dot, 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 yet. Yet. I do not have anything negative to say, except I think someone should get Andrew... Someone should get Andrew some friends. <laughs> he has too much time on his hands. After listening to episode 134, I notice he enjoys his sound effects just a tad too much. Also, please tell Mikey he is the sexiest voice. I would pay him to read my dictionary. Thank you all for your work you do and have a Potterlicious day. Well, Janine, I don't know what to tell you. Why don't you play some sound effects? Are you guys my friends, though? You know, uh, I don't I know what sound kind of effects. shattered like- his self-esteem there. Janine, I mean, I, you know, it's hurtful when someone accuses me yeah. of playing three sound clips in an it's entire good. show. Well, I mean, at least you know you have something to talk to your therapist about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, that's always good. I, I don't, this is I like just the opposite of chicken soup. This is kind of like this is kind of like wait, wait, what? I can't hear you over my sound effects. <laughs> this is kind of like pea soup or something. You know, something very unpleasant that's just you know sad. Uh, that said, though, all the uh, hey, stop it, stop it. Sorry, God, sorry, I play my sound effects. You just enjoy your sound effects just a tad too much. You can be better than this, Andrew. You can <laughs> okay. rise up. You can rise up above the comments okay. and the discrimination. Uh, that said, Micah, uh, do you accept um, payment to read people's dictionaries? <laughs> well, uh, sure. I mean, I may have a future career there. You know, it's so. Micah, can you open a dictionary right now and read an entry? <gasps> Micah, you should do audiobooks. Uh, yeah. We should do a new segment on the show. Micah's Dictionary Word of the Day. I Micah's should, uh, Word of the Day. I should talk to Jim Dale about that. Maybe he'll help me out. There you go. Um, 
I don't know if I have a. Uh, yeah, I do. Yes, really actually, get, get a, a dictionary. dictionary. Pick one real seriously. quick, real quick. How about Marist, a member of the Roman Catholic Society of Mary, founded by Jean Claude Colline in France in 1816 and devoted to education. Does it say? <laughs> this was Micah's word of the day, sponsored by Webster's. All right, to wrap things up today, chicken soup for your soul. Mm. Okay, chicken soup from Katie K, 16 of Wisconsin. She says, Dear all you wonderful muggle casters, I just want to start off by saying that all of you do a wonderful job and keep up the great work. This past fall, my sister found out she was pregnant because of her pregnancy and s- some complications along the way. She ended up having to drop out of college and move back home. On February 13th, she gave birth to a healthy baby boy named Quinn, who also has a very healthy pair of lungs. His room was right next to mine, and his crib is directly next to my bed through the wall. He wakes up a few times through the night in full scream, which also wakes me up. It seemed like I tried just about everything to fall back asleep until one night, I decided to give listening to MuggleCast a try, and it worked. Now, instead of just laying there for an hour listening to the rebel yell of a baby, huh... I get to fall asleep to the sounds of all your wonderful voices. Thank you for helping me get the beauty sleep I strive. Love, Katie K. That's very sweet. We Aww. have the best for Quinn. Thank you, Kate. Katie. Let's, um, actually, before we wrap things up, I have one last email to read. It's from Emily W., 16 of Dayton, Ohio. She writes, hey, I just had a quick question because on episode 139, you read a muggle mail from Kylie, I think it was, from Dayton, Ohio. And I was wondering if there was any way for you to get me their email or something because I don't know anyone in Dayton, Ohio who listens to MuggleCast. Seriously, Dayton is like the most boring place ever and I've never met another person who listens. I don't have an accessible Facebook or anything like that, but maybe if you can get the chance, you could send her an email or something like that. Please let me know if you can. MuggleCast was my first podcast and... So I also wanted to say thanks for your hard work on this awesome podcast. Well, Emily, um, I think this is a good opportunity to promote the forums at MuggleCastFan.net slash forums because there I suggest people, if you want to start meeting people in your area, maybe a new thread can, maybe a little new category can come in the forums where people can MuggleCast meetups or something in their local towns, you know? So uh, visit MuggleCastFan.net slash forums for a place to do that. Start Dayton in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, have a date in Dayton. <laughs> so, Laura, people want to send us some gold. Um, where would they mail that? Mike has been doing this for the past few weeks, so it's okay, okay. if you're a little rusty. It's, uh, P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia, 30028. We're going to skip the MuggleCast uh, hotline information this week because the voicemail's down, and I don't want to encourage people to uh, call for no reason. But you can also uh, write in using our handy feedback form on, MuggleCast, on MuggleCast.com. Just click on Contact at the top, and you'll see a handy feedback form there. You can also contact any one of us at our first names at staff.mugglenet.com. Don't forget, MuggleCast.com also has a variety of community outlets, including the MySpace, the Facebook, the YouTube, the Frapper, Last.fm, and the aforementioned fan listing and forums. You can also dig the show at dig.com and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. We are reigning supreme this month at Podcast Alley once again, so thank you, everyone, for voting for us. Thank you. Once again, I am Andrew Sims. I am Skull, Eric. I'm Laura Thompson. Oh. Uh, Mike Tannebell. And I'm Matthew Tom. Apologies to J.K. Rowling, but we are out of time. We'll see everyone next week for episode 142. Bye-bye! Bye. Bye.
Micah Tannenbaum's in the MuggleCast News Center with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Hello, Micah. All right. Thanks, Micah. You're welcome. Oh, let me try that again so my voice doesn't crack. <laughs> what the All right, thanks. No, I think you should leave <laughs> like, it like that. <laughs> no, that's no. I don't want to. Jeez, you're 18 now. Come on, Andrew. 